Welcome everybody to the 14th episode of the Struggling Scientist podcast. This is a podcast by scientists, for scientists, anyone science adjacent, and perhaps even hobbyists. My name is Susanne and I'm here with my co-host, Jerome. Hi. Today we're bringing you this episode from the lovely country of Italy, where we're on holiday right now. And we're going to continue with the third part of our Tips for Future PhD Students episodes. And this one is going to be about tips for during the application process and how to take the most out of it. So um, we hope you enjoy this episode and let's start. Okay, well, if you made it so far, <laughs> then we now go to the tips for the application process. Uh, and you really need to make sure that you get the most out of your application process. Because it's not only that you are applying for this spot, it's also that this is the time for you to figure out, like, what kind of supervisor is this? What kind of group is it? How big is it? What kind of people are in it? What kind of project is this? Do I actually want it? Because a lot of time, also me, when I was applying, I was just trying to find a cool project. And I wasn't really looking that much into anything else because I didn't really know that that was actually the most important. I just wanted, of course, I wanted to have a PI that I could talk to normally, that, that I was looking at. But the other things that I should have looked at, well, I, I just didn't have any experience with. So I mm. didn't know that I had to do that. Uh, and I guess I lucked out in the end, but still, you know, for my next, for my, if I'm ever looking for a postdoc, there's definitely more things that I will be looking at. Um, so we're trying to communicate those things to you now so that you can already look at it for your PhD position and hopefully be happy. Of course, you try to apply for the job. In our case, it's very much like a job interview in the Netherlands. You try to be your best self possible, basically. But what's also very important that you also need to take this opportunity to get to know the group and the people and the supervisor. And I think a lot of students don't realize that this is also the opportunity for them to figure these things out. So that's uh, very important. Don't you agree? Yes, of course. Was this something you looked at when you you applied? I did... uh... Because you only speak to them for uh, a bit, right? And I didn't really ask them uh, any questions about their management or leadership style. But I did other groups. I did notice there was some tensions in the groups uh, mm. from the people in them. So that that I did notice didn't end up going there in the uh, in the end. So that uh, that worked yeah. out, I guess. Yeah. So let's talk about the things, the the tips that we have for the application process. Now, first of all. The application process is very different in different countries. And in the Netherlands, it's very similar to a job interview. Usually the PI already has some sort of grant for a PhD uh, student, at least most of the years. Um, So you apply for this position and then it's really a lot like a job interview. But in other countries, it, it can be very, very different. So make sure that if you are applying in a country that you sort of Ask around what is normal in that area. Yes. And uh, usually there are two rounds. First with just conversation with the supervisor. And then a second round where you give a presentation. And hopefully also meet a bit of more of the group. So that then brings us to the next point. Which is to make a professional looking CV. But don't forget to add some personality to it. To make you stand out a little bit from the other applicants. Because of course 
the the supervisors see a lot of CVs, so they need to be able to rem- remember who you are and you need to stand out for them. Yes. Don't be afraid to also add things like hobbies. I know, for example, my PI, is re- my, my PI really, really likes it when somebody does a, a competitive team sports because it shows that you can work in team groups, which is such a weird thing to me to add to your CV. But if he sees that on your CV, then he gets more enthusiastic about you. So, uh, Alrighty. Yes, that, that kind of stuff can help on your CV, apparently. And uh, another thing that I know my PI really likes is if you already add the, the, the email addresses or even phone numbers of your internship uh, supervisors so that he can always call them and ask for, um, yeah, to yeah. add your references uh, to your CV already so that he can um, talk to them because he prefers to talk to them in person. I think, I, at least when I started uh, ap- applying for a position, I... I sort of by default added it. I don't mm-hmm. know if there are people who don't add it, though. Yeah, well, there's a lot of people who, who sort of say that it's uh, available upon asking. Reasonable request, which is... <laughs> yeah, but then that means an extra step. So yeah, yeah. Okay. Then another thing you really need to do after you have applied to a position and you're invited to uh, to um, um, interview is prepare somewhat for it. Like, read... Maybe a paper or two from the group that is about the, preferably about the project that you're applying for um, and see how much expertise they have for it. That's important already for the first round, but definitely for the second round. If you get further to the second round, definitely do this. I do have to say that it's not always clear based on the description of the projects uh, that you well, apply yes. for, solicit for. And especially if you're soliciting for or applying for maybe several uh, positions at that same time. It's a lot. Yeah, it's hard. It's, yeah. Uh, yeah, but try to have at least scanned like one or two papers Yes. already for the first interview. I have to say, I think at a certain point during one of my applications pro- application process, I might have gotten some, one of them confused and I was like, yeah, yeah, mm-hmm, yeah. Mm. I totally know what you're talking about. Yeah. <laughs> Needless to say, I didn't get that position. Yeah, I think in the end, it might have been better if I applied to less things but spend more time on each of them yeah Maybe. but you don't yeah you never know right? once you're already invited i guess yeah yeah but yeah you indeed you never know when who else you're up against for that position so yeah you also want to spread your chances of course yeah but try, try to find some time for that to to read a paper or two yes. and As, then, uh, assuming they've already published on something in that area right yeah um, that specific topic yeah otherwise you're just going into, which is still useful. You're still going into their previous papers, of course. But. Yes. Uh, the next point actually is that you are, of course, interviewing for your um, spot, but you're also interviewing your potential supervisor right back. So don't be afraid to ask questions because they usually really like it because it sounds like you have thought about things and what about, about what you need and what you want. Um, and you get sort of a feeling about how open the potential supervisor is to you asking questions and um, yeah, ask for example to des- them to describe their own management style. This is a, a suggestion from I think a Twitter uh, follower of ours to just ask the PI to describe his own management style because the, how he does this can already tell you so much about him or her, of course. Mm-hmm. More on the fly, never winging it, uh, whatever comes up. Uh. <laughs> Yeah, 
We are very excited to be able to introduce you to our new sponsor, Jenny AI. Not only does Jenny make our podcast possible, it also makes our life as scientists so much easier. Jenny is an all-in-one writing assistant that has everything that we have been missing in other AI tools. Yes, first off, unlike other AI tools, it actually finds accurate information in papers and cites its sources. It does not make things up and only uses real verified information that you can then also check the source of. Second, it's a writing assistant trained for academic papers and helps you write your paper by suggesting the next sentence or the end of your sentence. Or, if you get really stuck, you can ask it to write an entire paragraph, completely removing the writer's block I so often struggle with when I don't know the right words to make my point. It helped me write an introduction to a paper I've been struggling with in half an hour. It even suggests which papers to cite. You can add your own library or search the entire internet for papers. Just type the add symbol to easily add a reference and it gets automatically added to the reference list. And the last thing we absolutely love is that it has an AI chatbot that can see your document and give feedback on how to improve your manuscript. Or you can ask it questions, such as what are the potential therapeutic benefits of dot dot dot, and it will search through the papers for you for the answer. I can only say that my stress level has gone down significantly since I started using Jenny. Check out the free version now at thestrugglingscientist.com slash Jenny. And if you love it, use the code SCIENCE20 for a 20% discount. Mm, well, also take it with a grain of salt, of course. Because yeah, <laughs> they're always going to put their best foot forward. It never, yes. Yeah. Yes. But realize that this is also your chance to get to know them. I, I don't think I ever saw the job interviews like that. Uh, and in hindsight, I should have. Um, but again, I locked out. So, um, yeah. Yeah, but I I also think, indeed, there's there while there are there is some information about how to do uh, to go through an application process uh, for a PhD, for example. There isn't that much, or at least, for example, when I did it, I also didn't really look into detail about something specific for the PhD. I just sort of went with it, and I looked. I found broadly applicable uh, interview things, for example, not really anything specific for the PhD. I mean, there's definitely some things that you can prepare for, of course, mm-hmm. the sort of standard questions. Yeah. Which I think are a good thing to do, but make sure that you don't sound like you have just um, rehearsed, rehearsed your yeah. answers. Yes. Yeah, but yeah. I, what I'm saying is more along the lines of uh, to prepare for those t- sort of standard questions. It took a few rejections and getting invited to the thing you do out. get better at it. Yes, yeah. exactly. It was just like, okay, uh, I, I messed up that question. Uh, I should hone in on what, why exactly I'm doing that or figure out that. Yeah, but that's exactly the point, right? So mm-hmm. you are now describing how to apply for a position and come across the best that you can and like get the job. But mm-hmm. it's not just that. It's also the other way around. You also need to figure out during that interview mm-hmm. if the spot is for you, if the supervisor is for you. So... Yeah. You shouldn't only prepare questions that they might ask you, but you should also definitely prepare the questions that you want to ask them. Yes. And yeah, sometimes you you find a project that fits well with what you're interested in. Uh, everything works, except you weren't really prepared. It might be the very first interview that you're doing. And yeah, you might mess it up. <laughs> On paper, it might have been perfect. Yeah. Yeah. Interviewing is definitely difficult. Yeah. So that's why we maybe also recommend uh, not having just one thing that you're interested in, but like spread out your interest just a little bit. And it, uh, well, one of our previous points is, of course, to talk with 
past or current PhD years or your friends. Mm-hmm. But it's definitely also an option to try out for interviews, you know, mm-hmm. just sit together and ask each other awkward questions like, um, what are your best and worst quality? Yeah. I mean, I also had an interview right at the start where they just asked me like really detailed, like uh, experimental questions. And I was like, um, and I wasn't prepared for this. Mm, yeah, but you never know what they're going to ask. Yeah, but that was also my very first interview. So I was like, oh, every, everyone's going to ask me questions. Like this. So I prepared for those kinds of questions for the next one. And then I didn't get those kinds of questions. Mm. So it's always finding a, a good mixture of what people want to know, I guess. Yes. And also what you want to know. So next up, we, you should also consider asking about the possibility to go to congresses or working parts of your PhD abroad, uh, if you're interested in, in that at all, of course. But supervisors will like it if you have at least thought about these things. Uh, and you need to know that it might be a possibility for your uh, PhD. Or not. Or not. And would you be okay if that possibility came up? Yeah. Or, you know. I know I was certain, it, at a certain point in my PhD, it was also... Uh, it got brought up that I might be going to the U.S., so I didn't end in the end, but, you know, that caught me off guard. Yes. Or was it Canada, Canada actually? Um, now, often also a presentation is part of the application process. And what we sometimes see now when, when future PhD students come to us to, to apply for a PhD position and they give this presentation is that they don't really take into account who they are talking to you need to know your audience and usually at least if you did something similar in in your internship as what we do we already know a lot so you don't have to explain to us how sequencing works for example because if you start to oversimplify things that sort of takes away from the story that you want to tell us and yeah it's really important to realize who you're talking to now, if you, for example, did an internship in a completely different field, then it's definitely okay to explain a bit more. But the standard techniques like Western blotting and sequencing and that kind of things, you still don't need to explain because you are talking to other scientists uh, that are working in science. Um, and we have seen some applicants sort of forgetting that lately. Yes, um, I would say, though, for example, to... Obviously, the standard techniques like UPCR and, I don't know, cell culture or whatever, those never need to be explained, I think. Mm. Um, but sometimes it's also unclear who will actually be joining for your presentation. Um, well, you can ask. You can definitely ask your yes. PI who you're going to... Uh... Yeah, but for example, when I uh, did a presentation, uh, I thought it was just the people from that specific group. And then suddenly multiple people from different the department showed up and I was like, um, oh, okay, that's fine. Yes, but I still don't think you have to explain what a Western blot is. No, no. That, that, I think we're both uh, in agreement on that. But yes. there are some techniques maybe, that if because I came from a completely different field, essentially. Um, so I wasn't sure what I needed to explain. In the end, I just went with my story, uh, focused on the actual results. Um, and and people, people can had always, questions. Yeah, yes, exactly. They can always ask questions. Yeah, about the technical stuff. So that's what, yes. I would see it more like that. Yeah. Um, yeah. Also very, very, very important during the application process is to talk to the other PhD students, maybe even the technicians or the postdocs, and show some interested interest in their project and try to find out how your potential project would relate to them and if you would work closely with any of them. Because this is not always mentioned very clearly during the application process and you don't you don't want surprises. You don't want to have a surprise postdoc that you will work with that you have never met before 
that would have been really nice to at least get to know a bit and then maybe figure out that you don't want to work with this person or that you can work with this person. Um, and if you find out that this is the case, also ask for uh, a conversation with them, perhaps one-on-one or privately. Now, another important part is that you also want to talk to the current or past PhD students of any group that you're applying for in a more private setting. Uh, and if there's multiple rounds of applying, I will do this in the uh, perhaps in the second round or just after the second round. And for example, find them on LinkedIn and ask them about how the, what the group is like, what kind of environment it is, what is the department like, how is the supervisor PI and how is their management style? Is it very com- a very competitive lab? Are people really nice and willing to help? Those kind of things are, I think, better asked uh, separate. And um, I know we always have the opportunity to um, talk to every applicant separate because our PI also really takes into account our opinion when he's hiring new people. And um, we 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 talk to them. We also try to sort of fill them out about what kind of things they would need and then advise our PI if we think that this person would fit with him or not. But I know that during the application process, I got to a couple of second rounds and definitely not all of them. I got to meet anybody in the group. So if that's not standardly already organized, ask for it or or find them on LinkedIn and ask if you can call them or like chat with them over Zoom or something like this. Yes. Although I do have to say sometimes the timing of things uh, is a little awkward. For example, if you do get to the second round and you have to give your presentation, um, I know in some cases I got to the second round to give a presentation and then you quickly sort of meet people and I was like, hey, yeah, yeah, but they're busy with an experiment so you don't really get to talk to them. You meet maybe the main person that you're going to uh, work with or the very directly the people in your group, but not everyone to really talk about how everything is. Maybe you just get their first name even. So it can yeah. be a little awkward like that. Sometimes. Yeah, I have seen that a lot too. And in, in our group, we really take the time with, with everybody who gets to the second round, uh, usually two or three per per um, opening. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we really take a f- almost full day to get to know them. Now with Corona, of course, it was a bit more difficult. We had to do it over Zoom. But you really get to talk to somebody an hour. And then we usually have a group of just the PhD students talking with somebody. And then sort of explaining like, what is the group like? Uh, what kind of people do we think fit here? Um, trying to feel out if this is a very insecure person, then maybe this is not a group for them. Yes. So I think that what we do in our group is a really nice process. And I wish that everybody would do it like that to really give the opportunity to meet people and to talk with people and to ask these questions to just the PhD students or just technicians or just the postdoc and get to know the group instead of just the, the supervisor because you're going to work with them for four or five years. Yes. I mean, of course, it costs the people who are already uh, working, like the technicians, the, the PhDs and everyone, time to do this. But yes. it is time, I would say, well spent because indeed you're getting a new member that you have to work with for at least anywhere between one year, depending on which where you are, to their entire PhD career. Yes. So it's a good investment of a few of an hour or more yeah and for us it's also really nice that rpi really listens to our input and what mm. we think uh, for him it's also of course a very difficult decision because he has to decide this new person working for him for the next four years who might completely screw up a project or make it great in 
what is it, maybe two hours of conversation. Mm -hmm. That's such a difficult decision also. So he really appreciates that we that we try to help him. And um, yeah, that's actually going quite great. Yes. We try to select people that fit our PI and the other way around. As long as you do that, that works. Because people, some people just don't don't mash up well, you know? Mm -hmm. And that's uh, that's bad for everybody in the group if that happens. Yes. And if you don't get the opportunity to do that during your second round in person, just look them up. For now, if I would, for example, apply for a postdoc, I would maybe also reach out to some previous members of the lab and hear what they think and how uh, how things work there. Especially if you notice that uh, a lot of PhD students, for example, quit without finishing the PhD, it's definitely okay to reach out to them and ask what, what happened. What do you think the problem was? Of course, always take every story with a grain of salt because there's multiple sides to a story. But um, you need to look out for red flags, I guess. Yep, definitely. So in addition to all the tips uh, thus far, uh, it's also important to note that if you're going to work very closely with someone else on the project, uh, that you should meet them and make sure you actually get along very well. Um, yeah, yes. I know this with Maria. She was one of the first people I actually met when I solicited for the uh, the project. And yeah, I knew immediately that we would get along. She She's great. So uh, as you can tell from the previous episode that we recorded with her. Yes. But that can, of course, be very different. Yep. And of course, not every project is a close collaboration with other people. So. Um, and another tip we got from somebody on Twitter is to really ask a bit about what the project plan is. Because sometimes it's more of an improvisation thing and that can sort of turn on to chaos if there's not really a plan. But on the other hand, if there's a super well-defined project with clear uh, guidelines of how it will be, then you have less possibility to add your own input. So both have sort of pros and cons. Uh, think about what you need, what you want. And think about what kind of style you can handle and what would increase your stress level through the roof and whatnot. Um, in the end, it's again all about what you what works for you and what fits for you. Um, but it's definitely a thing you should ask about and sort of feel out what the idea is. And I mean, even if you do find, for example, a, a super detailed defined project, it can start maybe it doesn't work out in the end and then it sort of devolves into chaos anyway so there will always be chaos yes but know <laughs> like what you're walking into at least regardless of what it ends up being and maybe also get a bit of a feel of how the thought process of your pi work mm -hmm. and ask like if something doesn't work out what is the idea then is it is the pi somebody who can come up with a great new idea like just on the spot or is this maybe a bit more difficult um of course supervisors pis are all just humans also but um yeah i mean it also gives you an idea that you figure out how they view the project is it something they really want to to get done that it, it needs to work and there's no backup plan or is it more along the lines of it's a project uh if it doesn't work we can always pivot a little bit um yes yeah. and another another thing is um Think about also, do you want to work on the project that means the most to the to the PI? Because that will also be the most stressful position and the most pushed um, position. 
or do you want to work on a fun project that might result in a nice paper, uh, but is maybe not the favorite of the PI? Yeah, but I think... Again, both have pros and cons. And, yeah, um, but that's something you maybe have to ask, like with the other PhD students, yes. for example, what their, what their view on the, the preferred project by the PI is, because I don't think the PI... I think the PI would always sort of give the politically correct answer. All the projects, I like all of them. Yeah, I think it would also be really good that they just ask the other PhDs about their opinion of the project and if they would apply for it. Um, some projects also have a much higher potential to be scooped, for example, because they're just much more cutting edge, I guess. Uh, and if you're a person that can really handle that stress, that's fine. Mm -hmm. uh, but I think at the same time, yeah, it might freak me out a bit. Um, <laughs> Uh, yeah, it's it's what you what you can handle and what you want, and um, of course it's already quite difficult to get a PhD position. So while you want to figure all these things out, I also completely understand that you want to get this position. But I think if you have thought about all these things and um, convey that you have thought about them by asking smart questions, this really ups your chances also for being selected because it means that you know what you're doing and you're prepared for this. Yes. Uh, and what what a PI wants is somebody to finish a project um, and do great research. And the more prepared somebody is for this, the better. Yeah, and of course, just by going over this entire sort of checklist, you define for yourself what what you are prepared to do for the PhD, what you expect out of the PhD, what what you're walking into essentially. And even though things might change, just having that sort of those guide rails will help you uh, because, of course, the, P the PI is not interested in finding someone who might quit after a year or two because that also comes to their detriment. Mm -hmm. So the, the sooner you know, like, hey, maybe this position isn't exactly perfect, but it's out of all the ones that I've interviewed for the, the one that's best for me. That's also information, right? Like that you can finish off the project like that because you know exactly what you're walking into. Yes. Well, that was actually our last tip. And um, for me, the most important one is to know that uh, a topic is, is important, of course, but the group and your supervisor and fitting with that and getting what you need out of that is almost more important than the subject that you're working on. You can always change your research subject after the PhD or change the project a bit more to fit the things you find interesting and make it go in that direction a little bit. Of course, a project always goes in a random direction, uh, depending on what the sign says. But you, you, can make, you can make everything interesting, but you cannot change your um, PI and your supervision. And it's, it's very important. And um, not having good relationships with your lab really, really can make a, make a PhD super hard. Yeah, I mean, the PhD already has this pr sort of property that you feel sort of isolated in your own little bubble, even under the best of circumstances. So having a good working environment and good colleagues in that sense will at least help mitigate some of those, uh, that iso isolation feeling a little bit, uh, mm. even though we're in the midst of a pandemic that <laughs> doesn't help either. No. So if you want to check out this checklist, uh, again, please check our website, thestrugglingscientist.com. It's just finished and you can find blog posts there about almost every episode that we make. 
And uh, you can uh, uh, clearly find this uh, this checklist there. If you want to ask us any questions, you can also do this via the website or via our LinkedIn, Twitter, or Facebook. You can find us everywhere, basically, on The Struggling Scientist. And you can also email us on thestrugglingscientist at hotmail.com. Yeah, we hope you enjoyed and that um, we helped a bit. We know that it's a lot and it's a lot to prepare for. Uh, but any preparation is better than no preparation. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Especially if you're facing a lot of competition for PhD positions. Yes, and I think thinking about things not only make things more clear for you, but also makes you a lot more attractive to, to a supervisor to be selected because they know that you have thought about things and are prepared. Yeah, I mean, it also gives this sort of air of maturity that you know of thoughtfulness Yes. towards your project um if you just walk in nonchalant like uh yeah, I'm, I'm interested in this project versus someone who i want to know this 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 and yeah yes it's a very different mindset i guess yes okay well we hope you guys enjoyed listening to us this uh, this time and um hope to uh, see you next time yes bye bye, bye.